Hello neighbors, Samuel here. I just had a couple quick updates before I started the episode. First, I wanted to say that you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram at communityroots.pod, or you can email us directly um, at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We love giving you updates, mom posts all the time. So please check us out. Um, Another thing, you can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash communityrootspod. Um, We have a couple cool episodes coming out soon that will be up there as well as some bonus content from this episode. So definitely check it out. Um, We love your support. Lastly, before I let you go, I wanted to say that mom's audio is just a tad off. I tried my best to recover it, so bear with me. Um, I am currently learning a new software so that you guys can have the best audio available. Anyway, thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening to us, and I will talk to you soon. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And today we are off the beaten path with Jan Bergstrom. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) It's good to be here. Yeah, even though we've been talking for a while. (laughs) Yes, we have been and it's been awesome. (laughs) We've had a great session already. (laughs) No, thank you for uh, welcoming. Sweet. Yes coming on here. Thank you. Cool. So how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, as we were just talking, uh, I am a Boston-based therapist. I'm a licensed mental health counselor is what they do in the state of Massachusetts. It's like your LPC, your licensed personal counselor in Ohio. Is that right? Licensed professional clinical counselor if you're independent or yeah, LPC, LPC. So it's like your LPCC. And I have been in practice for about 26 years, believe it or not. And uh, I uh, really got interested probably, let's see, when I graduated in 1995, I got out, started, uh, was working for a community mental health program, but then I ended up creating my own private practice. And so that's when I actually met uh, and was called by uh, Terry Real. I don't know if people... do you know Terry Real? We mentioned Terry Real on our episode previously, right. but briefly. So, Terry Real used yeah. to be a fellow at the Meadows, which is an inpatient facility in Arizona, uh, Wickenburg, Arizona. And that's where he met uh, Pia Melody. And uh, Terry and his wife, Belinda, who is a therapist, they ended up having a relationship with, Belinda, uh, with uh, uh, Pia. And then as I was working with Terry, because he had called me and somehow we got together and I was working with him, he said, you don't know Pia Melody? And I said, no. And this was back in 2003, I believe. And so then that kind of started the whole uh, kind of my change my whole life because I ended up meeting Pia 
I ended up doing her uh, survivor's workshop, which is uh, something that's offered at the Meadows every week of the year, except for the holidays. And uh, she actually was the one who did my workshop. She doesn't do them anymore. Uh, And that changed my life. And after that happened, I decided that I wanted to learn her uh, model of working with developmental trauma. So that's kind of my history. And for the last 18, 19 years, I've been using her model and also developing it and bringing other uh, other work into it. You know, with this show, we should totally have a Pia Melody counter in the corner, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> T-shirts, because we would be in the high double digits at this point with how often we uh, mention Pia Melody's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, t-shirts. We could have T-shirts and hats we can sell or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm excited about today's episode, too, because we are um, we like Samuel said, we have been talking about her model and different episodes that we've had. We've shared about her boundary oh, work great. and um, her ego states with the functional adult and the wounded child and the adapted adolescent. And so we've been referring to it for quite a while. So it's an honor for us today to have you here, Jan, as one of my more mentors in learning her model as well. So thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard to believe that so many years have gone by. But when I did meet her, I just I knew that there was something. And I I don't know, I believe there's a few of us because she's now pretty much retired. So there's a few of us that are really carrying her torch and trying to keep her her model alive. And uh, with my business partner, Rick Butts, uh, I have we have incorporated into her model things like mindfulness and somatic interventions like body-based interventions and attachment. And so we've kind of incorporated more, uh, I don't know, pioneering uh, therapeutic methods into her model, which is making it much richer. So It's so interesting because just based on the knowledge I have of mental health therapy celebrities, (laughs) I figured Pia Melody would be up there with, uh, who's the guy who was crazy in like the 1950s that everybody talks about the psychologist i'm just slipping on his name everybody knows his name you're not talking about like freud are you yes i am talking about freud you are i figured (laughs) i don't think that was the timing but i I figured i figured freud was just as popular as pia melody at this point with how often we talk about her i was like wow but i didn't know how how popular is actually's works actually what happened uh samuel is that back in probably it's been like 40 45 years so she's back in like the 70s and 80s like i was thinking where was i in 1982 but she she started this whole movement along with melody Beatty, where people get their names mixed up pia melody and melody Beatty, on on codependence And it used to be in the DSM. It used to be people went into inpatient and being treated for being a codependent, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm. That does not exist today. And so really, I feel like what's happened is a lot of what she Pia was talking about back then was developmental immaturity or developmental uh, trauma in childhood. And so what it's kind of progressed to today is looking at that. It's really treating childhood developmental and relational trauma. And that's really what we're looking at. We just have named it differently before it was called codependence. And it became very popular back about 40, 45 years. And now it's progressed to uh, developmental trauma. 
So, And probably, Samuel, the reason why you think she's so famous is because of her impact in my life. And yeah. I've talked about it. So you've heard me talking. And I, I reference Kia like I know her you know, by first <laughs> name. And I've never had the privilege of meeting her. Um, so um, she's definitely her model. And I have testified to her impact in my life. But just when you hear people's testimonies and Jan, what led you to... Um, incorporate her model into your work with clients as well as to writing your book um, was just it's life-changing work it is very powerful work and so that's probably the passion Samuel you picked up on whenever you said we're having someone as famous as Freud that we're talking about like she's I don't think she's well known to be honest I don't think she's not well known yeah it's you can say that she's a pioneer in the recovery movement and that helps a little bit or giving some language to codependency. Correct. People kind of have an idea of that, but the foundation of her model is really brilliant and has impacted. Exactly. A lot of and she is uh, like always been like a reluctant warrior. <laughs> I tell you, she does not like to really feel like she promotes herself. She doesn't really. That's just not who she is. So it's really all the people around her that have been excited about things and trying to carry it on for her. So it, you're, that's why she's not that well known. In fact, at the Meadows, different fellows like Terry Real was there. Bessel van der Kolk is there. Peter Levine is there. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Peter um, and uh, Patrick Carnes. So all these people have been there and she knows them all. But you don't hear about her. You hear about the rest of them. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about Jan. What? What initiated this work in your life? You wanted to pick up on your story where the crossroads of what brought you into using the model for your own healing and then um, how you have incorporated that into your work as a therapist. Well, let's see where I'd start is probably in that workshop, famous workshop I did in Boston uh, in 2003. And I had been introduced to the, the skills of self-esteem, you know, what is self-esteem and loving myself and boundaries. What are boundaries? Uh, believe it or not, you're going to die when you hear this, Julie. But uh, when I, I went through as a whole therapist through all graduate school and all my training and to tell you the truth, I never really even knew anything about boundaries <laughs> until I met Pia. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I, I didn't. And so Terry was using her self-esteem and boundaries in a lot of his workshops. And when I did uh, the uh, intensive uh, family of origin intensive with her, uh, she completely rearranged a lot of things because I had done so much therapy. I'm telling you from the eighties until 2003, when I worked with her, I had been in all kinds of new age therapies. I'd been in a psychoanalytic with a Jungian trainer and a therapist, I had been done all kinds of new age uh, work from, I don't know if you've ever heard of S, are are you familiar with Werner Earhart? I mean, I've done all kinds of things until I did her workshop and she kind of rearranged my whole family of origin and getting my story straight. I was like struck, like how authentic and how true it was and how right on it was. And my whole, that's where my whole life changed. So I thought, this is something that everybody needs to know about. Whoops. Sorry about that. I think just to reference for a second, what you had mentioned about boundaries, you know, um, is it Townsend and Cloud that have their boundaries books that everybody say, 
oh, learn this about boundaries. And I did not feel impressed by their understanding of it. And not that it's to discount what they've done. Certainly it's helped a lot of people. And I want to affirm whatever works for Mm -hmm. people. I want to encourage that's great for them. But what really made the difference for me in understanding boundaries was how Pia conceptualizes it, which is why we we did that whole episode on boundaries. And I really refer clients back to it because her understanding of it I find comes out in sessions all the time with people and we can take that back to how that's a boundary issue. And here's how we can navigate and work with it, which is what's awesome about her model is that it is applicable and usable. So maybe you could outline for us and our listeners kind of what, what are the five core areas? So so from her workshop, which um, is very experiential and um, I don't know, um, it, I wrote about it in my book, which talks about getting your story straight, which is really understanding your your trauma history. The second part is really working with parts work, which is about um, inner child work. And then the last part is what she calls feelings reduction, or I call it standing in your, your truth, which is really a gestalt exercise that works with empty ch- talking to your parents like um, and their impact growing up. This, that whole piece is the experiential workshop that really changed me, but where she starts, and this is what I decided is that after I finished working that workshop with her, I decided I had to do her training and I did her training back in 2003 and where she starts on Julie is looking at her, uh, it's an overview of developmental immaturity chart. (laughs) That's a mouthful. But I remember when she pulled that chart out in the training and I was thinking, what the heck is that? And there were four columns on it and she was explaining it like, you know, lickety split. And I was like, (laughs) my mouth was like open. And I was like, I said to one of my friends who I was with, what did she say? (laughs) And she, she knows it like, of course, the back of her hand, but she believes that uh, what happened for her is that this whole model and these five core areas uh, was given to her, was actually given to her by God. She felt like she channeled it, um, that she was a time in her life when she was really struggling and she wanted to give up. Um, she was working at the Meadows. She and her husband owned the Meadows. And she said, I just, I can't do this. I, I don't want to keep doing this. People aren't getting any better. Somehow she either had a dream or she said it happened to her when she was vacuuming, which is really bizarre. Uh, that she, this whole thing was channeled to her. And so where she starts everybody is really uh, what she says, um, talks about kind of understanding the five core areas, um, which are the nature of every person that's on this planet when they come into this world. And she calls it the nature of a child and that there's five areas that we all um, are uh, struggle in. And the five areas that when we were born, uh, we were precious and we we came into this world as this precious, unpressionable uh, being that because of being human, we move into a dysfunctional family. And in these five areas, we end up getting wounded. And then she talks about when we're wounded, how that shows up in our life today. And that makes such total sense to me. So would it be helpful for me to go through that with you? Absolutely. Definitely. Let's look at the yeah. So she talks about, um, again, that we're all precious. We're, she believes, and I do too, by the way, I wrote about this in my book, is that we're all a, um, a 
a sliver of the divine presence of God. And when we're born, the nature of us is that we're number one valuable, that we're precious, that we have inherent worth just because we are a creature of God coming into this world. And when you look at a baby, <laughs> sometimes I look at babies and I think, uh, you know, people on <laughs> Facebook showing me their babies and stuff. And I look at how beautiful they are and how stunning in their eyes and how open and how precious they are. And I think, wow, in probably 10 years, it's not going to quite look like that, you know, because of the nature of being human and imperfect is that families are dysfunctional and kids grow up and they end up getting wounded or what we call trauma. So she starts out by talking about that all children, when they're born, are valuable. All of us have are precious. Um, she talks about the second area, which you said you did an episode on, which was on boundaries, is that we're all children. Yeah. If you look at children who are four and five years, sometimes when I drive by the elementary school, I see all of those little kids running around on the playground and they're or sometimes when they're walking and they have them kind of tied up to each other so that they walk along together and they don't get lost, you know? I was thinking about how vulnerable kids are. And that's the area she talked about is that everyone, when we're from zero to 18, especially zero to, well, I'm going to say 18, but zero to 10, is uh, kids don't know how to protect themselves. They're vulnerable. They're vulnerable emotionally, they're vulnerable physically, they're uh, vulnerable sexually. Any of that is, they don't know how to protect themselves and they need a parent or caregiver to do that. And so she talks about the nature of being vulnerable. And if it doesn't happen in a family system, then they're going to have boundary issues when they get older. So does that make sense? Am I going too fast? Yeah, I think that it would be very interesting to go through these healing our core issues. That's why I'm really like uh, looking at uh, maybe going through. Uh, so I'll post this to the show notes so that everybody can follow along. But essentially, uh, yeah, looking through it, childhood trauma, it looks like it leads to immaturity. Like uh, if you could kind of uh, explain that top uh arrow thing and then the like we talked about those first two columns and then we can just go through one by one because what i think happens with whenever we go through things like this is um i start thinking about my own stuff <laughs> so <laughs> it makes it hard to go through because i'm like oh man do i have negative control issues you know like all of this so i i will uh try to keep pace with you as i'm trying to connecting I'm kind of connecting my own experience to it yes, as we talk that's about, but true. That is true. That's why the whole chart itself is overwhelming because it, you kind of start. That's what happened to me when I first saw it. I'm like, I started going into one area and then I get lost and she's already talking about something else. I'm like, holy cow, what was that? You know? Yeah. So you kind of dissociate off into your that's own right. <laughs> work that's exactly at right. different that's points. Exactly and you go, right. well, that makes me think of this time. So you're floating back into the memory of various things that were traumatic but i think um what jane's gonna focus on samuel isn't the whole right four columns so the main the main thing is like five core areas right. is what i have to talk about is the nature of the child which is they have they're valuable they're vulnerable they're human imperfect they're very dependent and they're spontaneous and when they come in being as like precious as they are that when they come into a dysfunctional family, which everyone is dysfunctional to a certain degree, it creates immaturity 
or they don't develop in the areas of esteeming themselves and protecting themselves and their boundaries and knowing themselves and who they are and how knowing what they need and want and how they contain themselves. And that's really all I'm going to be saying. So do these sort of experiences like uh, so you hear childhood trauma and in this column, like you said, we have that valuable, vulnerable and perfect. Are, are those like sort of lessons that you have to learn um, or requirements that you need to get? Uh, could you kind of explain sort of are those? Uh, so so ag- according to how Pia was got this model is that she looked at, at when, as being human is that everyone has value. Everyone's when you're a child growing up, and this is child trauma growing up as a child, you're vulnerable and you need to be protected and you're human. So you're imperfect. There's no such thing as perfection on this planet and that you're very dependent. You have needs and wants and you can't, you know, do your own laundry and make your own food when you're four or five years old and you're spontaneous and open, meaning that's your true nature. But what happens is that, um, Samuel, is that living in a family that is, you know, you know, some parent is an alcoholic or, or they're violent or that one person dies and there's another parent left and they're depressed. I mean, life happens and their parents struggle and they're imperfect and dysfunctional. And so this precious child that has these these this nature of needing to be valued and protected and known and feel like they have their needs met and that they're spontaneous and open when they grow up in a family like that they're going to have issues around their self-esteem because they don't feel like they were valued especially if parents are fighting or one of or both are alcoholics or drug addicts right and parents can't protect their kids uh let's say they let them wander the neighborhood or god forbid you know, they're yelling and screaming at them and they're not protected. So all she's pointing out is that there's the nature of every child. And when they don't get valued and have a parent that's functional with them, they're going to have a core issue in one of these five areas and they will not develop or they'll be immature in the area of being able to value themselves or love themselves in the area of having boundaries, meaning how do I protect myself when, since I was never protected? And what is a boundary? And that kids won't know who they are. They won't have a sense of self because parents weren't interested in them. <laughs> and their dependency issues, if their needs weren't met when they were a child, they're not going to know how to do that when they're an adult. And when they were a child growing up and they were too spontaneous and really wild and never learned how to be contained, or they were shut down so much, they're going to have issues around this idea of moderation in their life. They're going to be living in extremes. And I think what's so beautiful about a developmental model is that we can go back and reparent mm-hmm. and catch mm-hmm. back up. And so there's enormous hope in this model. Like, you know, our listeners might be hearing, oh, I'm suddenly realizing all these holes and gaps, I, what I didn't have or what I needed. But the tremendous hope of developmental work Mm -hmm. or attachment work or what we know about neuroscience and the plasticity of the brain that we can change and we can repair and that we can fill in those gaps and learn how to through what become the five core practices in these five, five areas that we're able to say, okay, this is an area that maybe I have a weaker muscle or it's atrophied a bit. and. Here's where I want to focus my work 
so that I can grow that part of my life back up. Exactly. And we might feel that in all five areas and that might be too much. Mm -hmm. And so we might focus on one at first and just look at, let one area come forward to really put some effort into, for instance, boundary work. Right. Or. So really when you're, when I learn this model, this is like a place that you can start with anyone anyone walking into your office, because what I do is I take this chart that I just talked about, those first two columns, and I like overlay it on their trauma history. And I can see they don't value themselves. I can see that they are porous with their boundaries. I can see they have no sense of self and sense of self has to do with not just what you're thinking, but it has to do with what are emotions. Like I I worked with someone yesterday And I said, so breathe into your body and tell me what emotion you're feeling. And they were like, I don't really know. (laughs) And I was Mm. thinking, wow, people don't have a sense of self. And and I can see people who come in and they never ask for their needs or wants. And they're really lost in their relationships. And they're like, I have no idea what I need. And so right away Mm -hmm. I go, "Okay, they never developed or they're very immature in those five areas. And what my job is, is to help them you know, educate them on what is health, first of all, and what's functional, and then teach them a practice of creating this in their own life. That's why I called my book (laughs) after gifts from a challenging childhood. I said, creating a practice for becoming your healthiest self. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I really do. I'm looking at these five categories and I'd encourage if you're listening to this to also uh, check it out because it's, it's very interesting. And so I'm kind of, I like, uh, I'm looking at this like in an applicable way. Like, how can I use this once I get home you exactly. know, in my day to day? And so, so maybe like, would the process be kind of looking at these nature of a child and being like, am I feeling valuable? Am I feeling like I can be vulnerable or am I feeling protected? Am I feeling imperfect? Like, are those good checkup questions to ask with yourself? And then if you're not feeling one of those things, kind of continuing on to those core issues, like if you're not feeling valuable, then maybe your core problem is like a self-esteem. Yeah. So viewing yourself yes. less than. And if you're feeling, we call it less than. So if you go around and you're always in this one down or less than position, you've got some self-esteem issues. And, you know, according to Pia, she believes that self-esteem is we just have it. You can't raise it or lower it. It just is there. It's fact that we haven't discovered it. We haven't actually embraced it. So Mm. part of what I do is I have homework that I hand out for people, for them to journal, to them to chart when they go into one down, how do they pull themselves up? And that's the practice you know, this is not any, you know, rocket science. (laughs) And when you're in a party and someone gives, uh, says something to you, did you feel like you you were too vulnerable and you took it too personally and you're thin skinned or are you invulnerable and you're just like, hey, forget it, buddy. I don't care what you say to me. That's called being invulnerable. So if I'm doing either one of those, I need to work on some healthy boundaries. <laughs> so that's that's how you can. That's exactly how you'd use it, Samuel. Uh, and then so you mentioned uh, journaling as a way that you can help cope with these things kind of mature. And I don't know, what word would you use? You can work on, build up your muscle. Uh, but what are some other activities that you can do to um, build up these sort of five natures? Well, first of all, you, um, there's a, 
practice that I like to talk about, and I'm sure you've probably done a podcast on it, which is mindfulness, is that I have to be observing myself without any judgment. So I have to be curious about what I'm looking at. And then I figure, okay, gee, I need to kind of pull myself up to feel that I have inherent worth. And so some of it is just a daily uh, being mindful and watching the self. So, wow, someone just said that to me and I took it so personally. Wow. So some of it is journaling and I actually have exercises. I don't know if you are interested in, I could give you some PDFs that people could actually download for uh, many of these practices to uh, really put into place Um, and boundaries. Yep. I could do that. And, and this whole um, issue of around reality is it's really about uh, reality is about knowing the self. It's being able to step back and, like I said, without, without any judgment, being compassionate and saying, what is going on with me? So figuring out what you're thinking, figuring out what emotions you're feeling, and noticing where it might be happening in your body. Like if you have a broken heart, you might feel like your heart is very heavy. Or if you're anxious and you're scared, you might feel like your neck is burning and it feels like your head's spinning out. So these are things about noticing what's going on with me. Um, Dependency issues, I actually have some homework on that where I talk about everybody has 11 basic needs and I break it down. And do I take care of myself there or do I ignore it? Or And it's really like an inventory checklist to figure out what am I doing with myself? Am I taking good care of myself or not? And then I have another chart <laughs> that has to do with how am I in relationship with others? Like, do I ask for things or do I never ask? And so it's, am I interdependent with what I need or do I just say, I'll take care of it myself? So I have um, some basic homework that I give my clients just to start working these areas because they're so essential. And I think what you said earlier about um, teaching and modeling what health looks like is so helpful because, you know, when you're in the midst of dysfunction, you have no idea that that's not healthy. You think this is the norm. This is how it's always been you know, that we can't talk about feelings or we we don't know what to do to take care of ourselves. It becomes a whole subculture in our family of origin of this is just how we do it. And so it must be normal and it must be okay. And we make comparisons to maybe other families who are also dysfunctional and then nobody knows what health looks like. So I think it's helpful to be able to say, here's a path. Here's what health is. Let me align myself with that. And let me see where the areas are that I'm lacking so that I can catch back right. up. That's why I say when any client walks into my office, the first thing I'm doing is I take this, the five functional, I call them the five areas for well-being. That's another way you could look at them. And you lay them over what they're saying to me. And I'll go, oh, she's working. She's struggling with her self-esteem. Oh, very porous with her boundaries. Whoop, she can't ask me what she needs. So I'm just I'm just looking at those and not in judgment of them, but I'm just thinking these are areas that really need to be worked with. So I have to educate them. That's why I wrote the book. Um, Pia's, Pia Melody wrote Facing Codependence, and she goes over that. But I tried to make it more in layperson's language, kind of more uh, like more today's language and and really make it so people can really work on it themselves. And it's interesting, too, when you mentioned that she was. 40 plus years ago, (laughs) like, wow, that hit me hard. Like, 
well, no wonder this feels like, and she hasn't really self-promoted or wanted to keep it going in that regard. So it really is by people's lives being changed. And then they share that impact that it's had for them and then passing it down to more people that can also mm-hmm. use the wisdom that's in this model. Exactly. So as we sort of near an end to this conversation, I was wondering, I know your book, Gifts from a Challenging Childhood, go over these five core practices, right? And uh uh, I love that it's in lay people's terms because that's uh, it's it's easy to translate. You know, just a quick aside, maybe for you guys. Um, I read an article about how when people are faced with confusing jargon and lingo, yeah. they just quit. They don't yeah. they don't bother. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I, I've been there myself. I think we've all been there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think part of important work is like discovering this sort of stuff and testing it. Mm-hmm. And also a very key part is making sure that everybody who hasn't uh, put their whole lives towards this to be able to understand it easily yeah. and to be able to apply it. So maybe you could talk just a little bit, give us a little bit of a pitch for your book. <laughs> well, so what you know, I was talking to Rick, uh, my business partner the other day, and I said, okay, just are you sitting down? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I'm thinking of doing a workbook with uh, all these worksheets for the five core practices. And I, and he's, he started laughing and I'm creating an online course that's going to be, uh, I have these YouTube videos where I go through each one of the five core practices um, on my website. And I have, um, I'm going to put in all the text from my book and then I'm going to give all these homework sheets. So I, I really want people to feel like they can use this. It's not like just, reading a book and going, okay, that's very interesting. And so that was really my intention in writing the book, even though it did end up being like 300 pages long. So, (laughs) but, um, Mm -hmm. uh, so there are the five core practices that I go through. And then I also do add something that's never been written about in Pia's work, which is her experiential practices, which is, uh, working with the body, getting your story straight. How do you do that? How do I figure out what happened to me? Um, I talk about how did we start doing self-talk to different parts? I call it reparenting. And I also talk about how to uh, stand in your own truth. Um, so I even explain how to do those individually. Uh, so certainly they can be done in a workshop or with a therapist that's trained in them, but I wanted people to feel like they could do some of this themselves. So that's really the whole book. <laughs> that's awesome. I also was clicking around your website and I saw some of those videos. So that's sweet. I'll link to those as well so that people can uh, click on them easily. I think also having different media. Uh, we've talked about this previously, but I love the uh, potential that online courses have. Yeah. Um, with kind of being able to Especially teach now. Right. Especially yeah, now. in the middle of the pandemic, it's like yes. people need accessibility. Yes. So that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So and so I I really stepped out and did this book um, and it's kind of a, a labor of love. And uh, so it's one of those things that helps deepen people's process. And I hope that um, more people do. <laughs> so many people have written to me and said, my therapist gave this to me and now it all makes so much more sense. <laughs> So that's a good thing. Yeah. So uh, we're going to close up here soon. Before we did, I want to get to give you an opportunity uh, just to talk about coronavirus. Any sort of like with this quarantine, any sort of tips you had for people 
Um, I just know it's an experience we're all sharing right now. So I like to get the different perspectives and stuff. So for me, I go back to the five core practices, <laughs> Samuel, because, um, you know, people are struggling with what they need and um, people are struggling with uh, their sense of self, their reality, and they're struggling with uh, feeling really disconnected and they're struggling in those areas. And when we're disconnected and then we're wondering what's the purpose of my life. I mean, all that stuff is getting activated now for everyone. Uh, moderation people oh, I've been seeing my clients and their one woman's gained like 20 pounds and people mm. are, you know, they're eating to death or they're drinking something, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. But if you go back <laughs> to these five core practices, it's again, it's self-esteem. It's loving myself and, taking it easy and realizing I'm human and this is a tough time. It's boundaries. It's being able to, uh, to be with myself and figure out what's going on with me and interacting, especially with couples that are together. My husband and I have been together now for six weeks. How do I set limits with people? How do I have mm -hmm. my personal space? How do I take space? Is it okay to do that? I mean, we're still looking at boundaries there. And reality, like what's going on with me? What am I feeling? I'm in fear. I'm in panic. And so how do I now, because I realize I'm in panic and fear, how do I reach out? Because I need to be connected to people. So what do I do? I get on Zoom or I call my friend or I go for a walk and, you know, sit six feet apart from somebody and wear a mask and I talk to them and I feel connected. Um, people are doing AA groups online. People are doing kinds of things online. And that has to do with taking care of myself and my needs. And then again, we're down to the fifth core issue, which is moderation. So that's my, that's my treatment plan. That's my prescription for everybody. <laughs> awesome. And like I said, uh, all that information is in the show notes. So please check it out. Uh, a lot of what Jan mentioned too is free on her website. So um, definitely go and watch those YouTube videos. Uh, and get caught up. We had also used your question, Jan, and I gave you credit for it um, a couple episodes ago on your check-in yeah. questions. So um, we recommended that to our listeners as some journaling questions what's, that they could reflect on. What's been hard? Yeah. What's uh, What are you doing about it? And what's, uh, what are you learning? That kind of thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's been the now, hardest part? What's if you want me helpful? to, I can send, I mean, it's a lot of papers uh, for worksheets, but I could send uh, basically, uh, the homework for self-esteem practice, uh, if that would be helpful. Do you want that, Samuel? That sounds like some great Patreon material. Oh, yeah, that's Does that true. Sound that'd good, be Samuel? Sweet. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, of course. I'll always take any resources you have. I think uh, information is awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. I've really enjoyed working with you guys. You're spontaneous. You're personable. It's really, it's real. I love that. Awesome. Yeah, the vibe we are going we for are is real. drinking a cup of coffee. I have mine right here. And my water. Um, <laughs> I'm staying hydrated with my water, too. <laughs> We're all lifting mm -hmm. our cup, whatever, water or coffee or mm -hmm. whatever's in it. Um, so every episode, we like to end with gratitude, uh, ending with some gratitude before we go on out. Uh, I'll start just so you get the, the gist of it, and then we can go through. Uh, I'm really grateful for my cat these last couple of days. It's been sort of raining so she's been like sleeping and snuggling next to us she's not Aww. in the room now or i'd totally show you but 
uh, I was thankful for my cat just because like uh, it's a good support just to reach over, feel something soft and warm that wants to be around you. You know, I, I'm very appreciative these last couple of days of my cat. I, I was thinking about that this morning when I woke up, I was thinking about uh, the gratitude I have. Actually, in the last chapter of my book, I talk all about gratitude and affirmations and how important that is. Um, and so what I'm thankful for is um, my two sons. <laughs> I, they've been wonderful checking in with me because I've been worried. My oldest is an ER doc in New York City. Mm. And my youngest mm. is a scribe in Mass General Hospital in Boston in their ER department. So they mm. know mom has had some anxiety and fear about that. <laughs> <laughs> and because I realized my fear, I reached out to them because I had a need and said, I need to, to do FaceTime or we do messenger video chat, you know, at least every three days, four days, just to know that you guys are okay. And they are really wonderful and committed to doing that, to take care of their mom. And I'm very grateful for them. That is so awesome. <laughs> my heart is so tender with you, especially like, you, so you're getting to know my oldest son and yes. there's another son as well so like I feel that kindred spirit of a mother's heart exactly and, and how hard this is to have the social distancing and not being able to hug them or be with them is just gut-wrenching yes, it is but um I'm so thankful I guess I want to express my gratitude honestly to Pia Melody mm. and her model and the things that I think for me really gave me a path that I could learn how to walk what health looks like and giving me some areas to check in and to be able to wrap my mind around it and my practice around it. Um, and then getting to see that with my clients is so beautiful. Like when someone gets something that, you know, the piece of the puzzle that comes together for them, that they, that I'm watching their lives be changed. I am incredibly grateful for the healing work that we get to do. Julie, I have to say, <clears throat> I'm thankful for uh, being able to work with therapists and people like you who go through the training and transform and change. And I think that's a gift. I have great gratitude for being a channel for that and a part of watching that growing. So, and it's so exciting, this podcast that you both are doing. It's very, very nice. Awesome. Well, everyone, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, thanks again to Jan for being here and mom as always. We'll see you next week with our regularly scheduled community roots. So we'll see you then. Bye.